listening to the Whitman Wire podcast, a weekly companion podcast for the Whitman Wire newspaper where we release news stories, deeper dives, and weekly news summaries. I'm Alea Bessie, the podcast editor, and today you'll be hearing from Casey Moulton and Mia Grant. For international students, this school year has been way more unpredictable than most domestic students. And especially for the international students living in the U.S., it's been extremely tough. Constantly changing regulations, in addition to various international rules, make knowing when and if travel will ever happen near impossible. This week, we set out to find out what life this year has looked like for international students and learn more about the logistical barriers facing international students and their support systems here on campus. First, We'll share a conversation with Greg Leckie, the Associate Director of the Intercultural Center and International Student and Scholars Support Services. Then we'll hear from a student from Palestine to learn more about the student experience. I'm Mia Graham. And I'm Casey Moulton. And you're listening to the Whitman Wire podcast. First is Greg Leckie. Greg joined the campus community in January of last year and still isn't quite sure what his job exactly looks like. My name is Greg Leckie and uh, actually uh, I like to say that my real name is Grzegorz Wenski but uh, this is uh, Polish and not very many people can say it correctly so I usually go by Greg. Um, I've been in the U.S. for now about 17 years and I moved to Walla Walla in January last year, so it's just over a year here at Whitman. My job at Whitman is uh, Associate Director of uh, Intercultural Center for International Students and Scholar Support Services, which I say is the longest title at Whitman College, <laughs> uh, probably by far. Yeah, so with that big long title, what does that mean you do? What does it break yeah. down to? Well, I suppose that means they do a lot, right? <laughs> you know, many people when they, when they hear international, they think it's dealing with visas, uh, right? And, and that sure is part of my work, but I tell you, that's probably like 2% of my work. It, processing visas is actually quite simple and quick these days, and I can do it very quickly. Um, and, uh, but otherwise, uh, you just deal with general support. So, so there is different categories, right? There's like, for example, employment for international students on the F1 visa, that's the name of the visa F1. There are numerous employment restrictions. They have very limited employment option. If they want to get authorizations to work outside of campus, that requires a lot of paperwork and, and, and uh, uh, procedures. So, um, so that's part of the, uh, you know, I, I do, uh, employment, then there is international income taxes, very different, like they cannot use Asian Arab block, they cannot use TurboTax, it's all different for them. And not very many people understand uh, uh, this international taxation, so I, I get involved in this uh, as well. Health insurance, uh, we at Whitman College, we require all international students to, uh, to carry health insurance, so I manage those policies, I make sure that people are actually insured when they need to be insured. You know, there's very, very few op options for exemption from that policy. And then sometimes, now we have outstanding uh, health center here on campus, so fortunately they take over most of this, but sometimes also kind of help a little bit of the you know, support of those uh, insurance questions as well, because 
health insurance in the US is so different compared to everywhere else in the world for international students, you know, 17, 18 years old when they come here, this is so confusing. And it, you know, it is confusing to many Americans as well. So explaining how the insurance works, it, it's important. Same with those taxes, right? Those income taxes, it, it's, it's, a, it's a new topic to, to most of them. Um, you know, so it's the, then this helping with tax returns, which is this time of the year, right? And, and you know, when you talk about employment, it's not only at Whitman, once they graduate from Whitman, you know, they're kind of out of college, but they still stay on my books, sometimes for three years, uh, because uh, US government allows them uh, for post-graduation internships, but these internships have to be authorized uh, through a program called uh, Optional Practical Training. So again, they might be out of college, but they, they, they stay with me for three additional years, uh, sometimes even longer. Uh, you know, then there is the international student orientation, right? That's a huge program that that that, uh, that is right uh, before general orientation in August, um, and that's you know three four days of programming that needs to be prepared. And there is the general programming throughout the year, right? Like for example, this week we're planning for a little barbecue uh, with international students, uh, following uh, you know strict regulations. It is going, to, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's kind of a takes a lot of time to organize this. And then, you know, troubleshooting, helping students uh, with, with everyday crises and, and, and resolving their problems, like we all do at, at the college. So you're a general point of contact for international students when yeah. it comes down to like logistical questions about jobs, taxes, visas, but there's also a human side of that job as well. That's not just the logistical paperwork stuff. Big, big part of it, you know, that, that's, that's uh, the way you say that, I, I like that. And, you know, being uh, an immigrant myself, and I came here like just like like they do, right? So I I suppose I understand the the issues that they face every day better. And when you look around uh, colleges and universities, many times you see people on my position actually um, uh, also immigrants, uh, and, and and that's kind of a uh, common uh, for this very reason, understanding the issues that they deal with. You know, even like understanding the visa system, right? For Americans, for people born here, they don't necessarily understand you know, how the whole visa process work. You know, for me, I personally experienced this, I don't know, 10 times maybe, 10 different visa interviews. So it, it kind of helps. Yeah. yeah. So since you've been on campus for just over a year, just mm -hmm. last January, I think it's a fair assessment to say you haven't had a normal year. <laughs> it's been a bit that's, of a mess. Uh, that's, that's well said, yeah. How, I imagine your job, like your job description changed pretty rapidly between when you started to like March. Yeah. So how have some of your responsibilities and some of your duties changed to adapt to a world that's sort of figuring out a pandemic? Yeah, that's, that, that was the problem. And I, and I told the director of uh, human resources, uh, Talera here at Whitman, that... Uh, now, when she hired me, she never told me about COVID, did she? So I, I only had about two months of semi-normal uh, life here at Whitman. And I was just kind of getting adjusted to work here. And, and at the same time, together with my wife, we bought a house here. So, so life was already extremely busy, extremely busy. And then COVID started and then everything collapsed completely. And, and uh, I, I don't know if I can say change, you know, the, the, my, my life here at Whitman so far, well, now it's kind of a, 
normalizing, but it, it basically been a, a year of chaos. Uh, and, and I tell you what, that's good because it cannot get any worse, right? <laughs> it can only be better. I'm, I'm pretty sure I, can, I am ready for whatever else they throw at me now. So, no, I, I'm not complaining. I, I, I'm just kind of a very happy how with my community supported each other and, and our students, you know, in these difficult times, how they were able to manage with, with stress and everything else. But, but uh, it's, it's, hard for, it's hard for me to say change. You know, generally the, the international student community was e extremely uh, affected by this and you know part of this is that you are so far away from family right and and like you said many students were you know trying to go home you know suddenly without much preparation because we didn't know what to expect what comes next yeah. what did it look like last year as students scrambled to go home the decision to switch to online classes came in the middle of our spring break so then suddenly a number of students decided, okay, we're going home. And uh, flights were available at the time. But I, I can tell you, many students <laughs> making those decisions, so much, so much stress, so much emotions and, and chaos. And for international students, for some of them, they, they, they wanted to go home, but they couldn't, right? They couldn't afford flights or flights suddenly um, were not possible to even uh, purchase or, or maybe airports were shut down. It was just, uh, you know, 12 hours uh, work days and, and a lot of phone calls and a lot of emotions and a lot of people crying and uh, a lot of people, you know, coming and asking, you know, kind of a life questions and uh, trying to support them. The government, of course, wasn't prepared for this uh, when no one was, right? But so, for international students, leaving the country can be very consequential, right? Because there is always the question, will I, will, will I be able to come back? Technically, on F1 visa, you are not allowed to study online. Now, we switch online, right? The government doesn't tell us whether this is okay or not. It took them a couple of extra weeks to make these decisions. Now, when, when the government came up with all these new guidance on F1 visas for a pandemic, we, we just didn't really know what's going to happen. So. For students, it's like, okay, my parents want me to go home, but the U.S. government doesn't tell me whether I can go home or not. Can I start online? With me, it's not going to do online classes anymore. Well, okay, I go home, but then there is, you know, 12 hours time difference for me to, uh, for example, finish a quiz or something. It, it was just like, extremely difficult. Yeah. What did the planning process look like for getting started again in the fall? Uh, for, uh, for international students, for international right? students. Right, well, so the biggest question for for us in the international community was, okay, we had that so-called spring guidance, right, from from the federal government. So that's that, that that was released like towards the end of March, I think, hopefully, last year. And the spring guidance is, okay, students can go to their home countries or they can stay in the U.S. and start online, right? and they will not lose their statuses, they will not lose their visas, as people say, right? They will, they will remain active. And the guidance is valid for basically the spring, right? Mm -hmm. So now we are waiting what's going to happen next, right? Or the, or the fall semester, and we're waiting, and we're waiting, and nothing comes up, right? And then in July, this new guidance come up from, Trump, from the Trump administration saying, well, if you study online only, you need to go home, right? So this was extremely controversial, and again, lots of phone calls and lots of protests from the whole international community. 
because suddenly the students are being told they need to go home. They cannot stay in the U.S. And the new students are, are you know, are unable to come to the U.S. if there is uh, only online classes. So we were told to, you know, do a number of different processes within the immigration system online, very time consuming. But because of the number of protests, the federal government quickly um, realized that this is not a workable solution. Within weeks, they, they uh, basically removed the new guidance from July and they reverted back to the guidance from March, which was not really meant to serve us mm -hmm. for the fall. Now that meant that we had to update all these documents again, so again, a couple of days of work. And then the federal government over the summer kept coming up with like some patchwork of regulations asking us to do different processes online and yet again update all uh, students' records, right? In the meantime, all the students were kept asking questions because they didn't know what was coming, right? And then new students didn't know that they would be able to come on campus or not. Then the federal government said, well, you can only come on campus if you have at least some in-person classes, otherwise you stay abroad for new students. But for returning students, they said, well, even if, if your classes are all online, you can come back to the US, right? So that's, what, that's where we are at the moment. Um, and now we are trying to, we're still kind of waiting what's, what's happening, what's going to happen next, we, we don't know. Last summer was by far the most difficult complex part of my professional life ever because of this changing regulation and of course not only mine right that's everyone in the in international community we, we have to support each other between schools you know between professionals in the in, in this in this industry because people were just uh, of course no one could take any vacation time but it was so stressful uh, that people were just getting <laughs> physically sick because of the of, of this constantly changing regulations I can't imagine trying to sort through all of these new rules as they come in, trying to respond to students who are equally as concerned, yeah. but at the same time, all of your contacts in the, in the international community who, I mean, I'd assume you go to with questions or concerns are all in the exact same position. Nobody knows what's happening. Nobody knows who to talk to. Yeah. And it's... I, I think at one point people started kind of giving up almost and, and basically saying, well, what's going to happen is going to happen. We just cannot constantly keep updating these documents be because regulations change weekly. Um, and then, and so that was kind of July and August last year. That was the worst time. I was kind of hoping that this would be the end of it. But now I am working with this new group of international students, right, that are going to start Whitman this August. And... Uh, and we actually still don't know whether they will be all able to come here um, for in-person classes because visa processing is still difficult and travel bans, especially the one in China that is the most restrictive, still applies. Um, it's wait and see. <laughs> well, um, I, 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 was, I, I, I tell you what, I, I'm, I'm very much ready to um, finally start a normal work at Whitman, but it uh, looks like that, that, that might take some more time. Uh, unfortunately, so I, I can only imagine that pre-pandemic, this is this would be a very fun job where you do all kinds <laughs> of events with students. You know, you fire up a, a grill and, and talk stories and take them. You know, occasionally take them for little, you know, trips and maybe skiing with the OP or, or maybe uh, visit some fun places and 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 do some I don't know international cooking contests or something. Well, none of this has happened. It's been just. Uh, 
update and the regulatory work and, and just the support. That's what, that's what has been going on here for a year. I think they have by far better and more opportunities to experience American life here in Walla Walla compared to those large cities. So if that's why they come here to the U.S. to experience American life, Whitman, I think, is uh, in the small places like Whitman, Whitman, by far better choice, uh, I think. And, and I think we can make it even better if we all work on this, uh, trying to integrate our community better, international students and domestic students. That's, that's a goal that I hope to achieve. I know many schools are struggling with this, but, but I think we are in a much better position uh, to do it right. And that's, that's my hope and my goal. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. <laughs> well, I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I hope uh, this is helpful. Yeah, it really was. Thank you. Simply put, the last year's been a little bit of a mess, and the logistical struggles faced by people in Greg's shoes have certainly been unpredictable. Regardless, hopes are high that next year will be a little more normal. Or, if not quite normal, at least involving fewer time zones. Next up, we have Faraz, an international student from Palestine. Hi, um, I'm Faraz. I'm an international student from Bethlehem, Palestine. I'm a first year. I use he, him pronouns. And I will probably major in physics and astronomy. Great, thank you. So my first question for you, Faraz, is um, how did you get here during the pandemic? How did you travel from Palestine to the U.S.? What was that like? Yes, yeah, so um, back home, I was working with an organization that helps students particularly go into the U.S. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had some help getting here, even though it was still complicated, but it was a lot easier than doing it by myself. Uh, so it's definitely different from other international students because I'm from the place in the country. Like the U.S. during the pandemic had a lot of bans and restrictions in what countries can enter the US. So I think there was a lot of students from like, um, I think like East Asia and China that were banned from entering the US. So I think they had like to spend two weeks in a country that's not banned. That's mm -hmm. so like student from China spent like two weeks in Dubai that's not banned from entering the US and then they could travel to the US again. Uh, for me, it was different because I traveled from Jordan and it was not banned. Um, so the traveling from Jordan to the U.S. was fairly easy compared like, to my trip getting to Jordan. Because in Palestine, we don't have an airport. So I had only two options, it's whether travel from Israel or from Jordan. And the easier one was going to Jordan because going to Israel was a lot more complicated. Uh, so I had to um, get through like three borders to get to Jordan. There's the Palestinian border, the Israeli border, and then the Jordanian border. And then I took a bus to the airport. Um, I flew from Jordan to Chicago, um, O'Hare International Airport, I think. And I got there like 7 p.m. their time. So in COVID, airports don't work at night, I think. Oh. They had a layover. It was a 12-hour layover in Chicago. So I stayed there in a hotel. And then the next morning, I flew from Chicago to Seattle, to the, um, SeaTac. 
and then another flight from SeaTac to Walla Walla. Wow. So yeah. how long in total did that take you um, to get here? Flights, the one from Jordan to Chicago was 13 hours. Mm-hmm. And then from Chicago to Seattle was around five hours-ish. And then an hour to here. Wow. So that was just flying itself was like like 20 hours. Oh my gosh. But like traveling, like since I left my house from Palestine until I get here was probably like three days in total. Mm. Wow. Yeah. But with the time difference, I got here early, like 10 hours earlier than a time in Palestine. Okay. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about the complications of like the student visa and how COVID might affected might have affected the process of getting here. Yeah, yeah. So with that, if it wasn't COVID, it would have been easier mm-hmm. to get my visa because at the embassy in Palestine, well, in Israel, um, was closed during COVID, and it only opened for emergencies or expedited visa interviews. Yeah. And for me as a student, not every embassy, not all U.S. embassies included students as emergencies. Um, So I think the one in Israel did not count me as an emergency, but because I was working with an organization back home, just like a mentor that was helping me uh, navigate through my visa process and my uh, flights, uh, they helped me in scheduling an emergency appointment with the embassy. And it took like four tries every time they would cancel it. I think I tried for like three months to get an interview, like mm-hmm. since November, October of 2020. And I succeeded at it at like January 6th. Oh my gosh. So that was like a week, two weeks before traveling. So I didn't know that I was traveling until like a week before. Because after your visa interview, you have to wait a week until you get the visa. So like... A week before I traveled, I left home January 19th. It was a bit later than the moving day, but it was like the, the earliest I could leave. And I knew that I was traveling like January 12th. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was like a week before traveling, yeah. Um, that would have been a lot easier with that COVID because I would have just gotten my visa like in early October mm-hmm. and then just like plan. Like I would have a lot more time to plan because it was so complicated to get here, are you planning to go home at the end of the semester? What are you planning to do this summer? Yes, uh, because of COVID, I most likely will not go home because it is, COVID is adding a lot of more complications and restrictions to traveling. And even without COVID, I like, I just fear that I might go home and then get stuck or not being able to make it back in time. So for now, I don't plan to go back home, and I think I probably spent most of the summer here on campus in Walla Walla. I'm currently applying for jobs for the summer, so like I'll just fill my time and have something to do. Okay, how are you feeling about that decision? If COVID wasn't a thing, would you choose to go home? For sure, yeah. My yeah, I've discussed this with my parents, and they told me that even though like. They would love to see me, but it's the better. It's for the best for me not to go home right now. Even though I'd love to go home and see my family again and spend some time there. But with COVID, because in Palestine and yeah, in Palestine, vaccines are not as available. Mm-hmm. 
um, just the political tension and everything there is making it hard to sp spray vaccines. So COVID is still spreading wildly there. And restrictions, like, we still have lockdowns. <laughs> Every few weeks we go in a new lockdown, uh, even though most countries are just moving on from COVID. Are you vaccinated now? Yes, I'm fully vaccinated and I'm, yeah, I am very, like, I'm not afraid that I, um, my parents are also vaccinated, so that's good, but I'm just afraid of the restrictions by COVID. Yeah. It sounded like COVID made it really stressful and difficult to get here, so it does make a lot of sense to yeah, just yeah. stay. Yeah, stay I feel like if there was no, like not many restrictions, I would have like considered going back home and maybe like quarantining or something because it's only my parents are vaccinated, my not my siblings. But I would have like con maybe considered traveling back home more if there was not that many restrictions of like traveling. What kind of things are you thinking about doing in Walla this summer? Um, that's a good question. Like I am in the process of thinking about what I do want to do in the summer. I'm currently applying to jobs. Do you feel like Whitman has been supporting you in that process of finding things to do in Walla Walla? Yes, for sure. I feel like Whitman has been very supportive to international students and to everyone. But like for me as an international student, like whenever I have something, concern or question and I reach out, I always just like get the help I need and the support I need. And I'm sure if I feel like I probably need more jobs or like help in the summer and I reach out, I will definitely get the help I need. That's awesome. Okay, so now I'd like to move to a question that's really broad and you can answer it however you want, but how would you describe the international student experience during COVID? What has it been like to be an international student during a pandemic? Um, I feel like there are both advantages and disadvantages for this, even though it's, they're more like disadvantages. I feel like most of them are like not being able to meet more international students because I know there's more international students that prefer to stay back home and not come to campus. But also even on campus, I haven't had a chance to meet many international students at the beginning of the semester and I'm just like now, there's like a few weeks left for the semester and I'm just getting to know people. Since I'm completely vaccinated, I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like I want to meet more people and I'm just getting to know like more international students. Yeah, that is a broad question. Yeah. What other things, like, what, what do you kind of want to know yeah, about um, my experience here? So the transition to living in the United States during COVID, do you think the pandemic made a difference? Did it make it easier to transition to life here or harder? Yeah, I feel like with the pandemic, in some ways, I have adjusted more quickly. But then at the same, on the other hand, um, it took me a lot longer to make friends and connections than if it was just a normal setting without COVID. So yeah, I feel that's they're both downsides and upsides for this. And then, how are you feeling about um, the the possibility of not being able to go home until maybe winter break? Yeah, I have been discussing this with my family lately. 
Um, yeah, it is. It is hard for both of us. Yeah, I feel like it's maybe a bit harder for them because they do miss me, and I. I personally like kind of adjust more quickly. I can like make it to the summer without seeing them, but it's definitely hard, and I'm not sure when I'm gonna see them again. But I am planning to see them probably in the winter break. Yeah. How do you guys keep in touch? Um, we talk almost every day. I video chat my mom, and it does help uh, to be on video. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes we're just in a phone call, and I feel like as connected. Right. Just like being on video and seeing my mom, seeing my younger brother and sister, it mm -hmm. just helps a lot. Yeah. 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 Great. Um, any last thoughts that you'd want to share about um, being an international student? I feel like it's, it has been a very positive experience so far. Good. Yeah. Now as we get into the end of the semester, the international office is like organizing more in-person events. There's a barbecue event that was supported, that was supposed to be yesterday, but due to the weather, it was canceled. Ah. But probably be like scheduled for next week, next weekend, and that's very exciting. Oh, that's fun. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to meet more students, both international and, you know, anyone else. But it's also, like, the semester is almost ending. So yeah, but I'm glad that I at least had the opportunity to meet students. Yeah. And to be fully vaccinated before the summer. Right. Because I will have more opportunities and stuff to do. Yeah, yeah. totally. Thank you so much for us for, for talking sure. with yeah. me. As more people are getting vaccinated and we're beginning to see the light at the end of the COVID tunnel, things are changing for international students. Community is still being built, although a little bit differently than in years past. As of now, the future looks hopeful. If the next months go as expected, next year's international student community on campus will be the largest it's been in quite a long time. Thanks for listening to the Whitman Wire podcast, and we'll see you next week.